0: This is episode 115 of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. Thanks for listening today. My name is Matt Bruff. I'm a pastor and an author and your host. Uh, today, I'm actually bringing you a sermon or a message that I uh, delivered at uh, my congregation, my church, uh, Prairie Presbyterian Church in Winnipeg in Canada, Um did this a couple of weeks ago we were doing a, a bit of a series around uh called Portraits of Jesus and just started looking at a whole bunch of different texts about Jesus. This one really seemed to strike a chord with a few people and just got uh, some interesting feedback about it and thought uh, others might want to hear it because um I actually begin this whole message uh talking about how I have kind of a problem with uh this one phrase that uh, that Jesus says Uh, where he talks about he says come and i will make you uh, catch people or from now on you will be catching people um or like in the old uh way of thinking about it come and i'll make you fishers of men it's that story uh, where uh it's from luke 5 1 to 11 where jesus um there's this uh incredible catch of fish and then afterwards he says i'm gonna uh i'm gonna make you you're gonna come with me and we're and from now on you're gonna be catching people and and i talk really early on in this message about the trouble i have with that phrase and some reasons why and how it kind of brings up some negative connotations for us but how there is actually way more going on with this uh when we put that phrase back into its context into its into its literary context and really sort of um, understand what uh, Jesus was up to with those first followers and how this has really significant implications for our lives. Um, and, uh, and there's some, some great stuff in here that we get into um, about, uh, like, there's, there's, this other, there's just these other phrases that Jesus says, which is amazing. Uh, like he says, put out into the deep water um and and so we can think about like going out into the deep waters uh of of our lives and and doing that with Jesus. So anyway, there's really cool stuff in this story that uh that sometimes it kind of seems like like is Christianity really about like catching people? Is that really what this is? And and if it is, then how do we actually understand that? Because maybe maybe it's about a different kind of catching or um, how is it that we may be caught uh or um, uh, uh even captivated is another way that I talk about it in this in this message so anyway, I hope you'll give this a chance <laughs> and I'll give it a bit of a listen um and uh yeah, maybe this is maybe maybe there'll be some phrases in here that will be meaningful for you. As well, I really enjoyed working on this message, and um, yeah, I hope you uh, receive something that you need to receive today from it. Thanks for listening. I really don't like it when Jesus says, "From now on, you'll be catching people." I don't know if that kind of gets at anybody else, but it, I, don't, there's a problem with it. There's a problem with it catching people. Uh, Some of us might also have, like, the old fishers of men, or I will make you fish for people. Luke's version doesn't say fishing, it says catching. Um, And then maybe even, you know, irks me a little more. So what are we supposed to do? Like, go out there and, okay, I'm I'm gonna catch people, I'm gonna get people, and, you know, get them in this net, trap them so they can't escape. Like, that seems to be the connotation it has. And sadly, actually, this, uh, this text, I think, has uh, often been connected to evangelism. Like, evangelism is uh, simply sharing the good news. And... But it's, it's bound up with this idea often of... getting people... Like, invasion of the body snatchers? Is that what's going... Like, getting people and trapping them and now maybe i'll trick them and tell them about the good news you know like that's like it's a bait and switch like literally right the bait and switch fishing it's a problem we we might have a real problem with that maybe others don't but i just kind of see this as like ah i don't know is that actually what we're being asked to do people for Jesus but actually like that's I think what we might end up doing if we just skip to the end of the story and just read that sentence and forget about everything that happened beforehand Um, what is called reading out of context which I'm probably way more angry about than um, than anything that I just said (laughs) we do that all the time we read Bible passages out of context we take out little snippets and we make that, oh, now that's going to be our motto. Let's put, uh, let's put I will, you will be catching people for me on our, uh, over our door so that when we go out, we're all reminded, yeah, we got to catch people. But actually, we've taken it out of context. And it's not that it isn't about maybe sharing the good news with people. Uh, we'll see that it, it, it actually is about that. But we have to understand what's going on in the whole world of the story, in the world of Jesus, to really grasp what this catching people might be about. The story as a whole, I think, is about encountering Jesus, about trusting Jesus, and then responding to a call from Jesus. And you can see how the idea of catching people, actually you can get you can almost take... Jesus almost gets taken out of the equation a little bit with catching people, when in fact the whole story is actually about him. Only at the end of the story does it shift to the idea of the one... Uh, like uh, this idea of catching people. So we've got to move through this whole story. Um, this, is, this is actually true in our lives, is that we actually hook on to certain things... And then make everything about that rather than taking the whole story. And it's true with Christianity. Christianity will go off the rails a little bit when we prioritize just evangelism as an activity and as a set of skills over Jesus himself. That sometimes happens where uh, there's an overfocus on techniques or even tricks to win people or attract people. And so the church ends up more akin to a sleazy sales technique than it is to good news that is so good that just has to be shared. Good news of Jesus and about Jesus. So we actually have to walk through the story. We need encounter, trust, and to hear a call. And primarily this story is an interaction between Jesus and Simon, or Simon Peter. Jesus is using Simon's boat as a stage to teach the crowds that are on the shore. There's so many that, that, that a good, good way to teach them is let's back up from the, from the shore in the boat and I can teach from the boat. And then it says, when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Put out into the deep water. We could spend a whole Time just reflecting on this first call that Jesus gives to Peter. Put out into the deep water with Jesus. I mean, just let's just dwell on that for a minute. Put out into the deep water. Maybe I'm taking it out of context again, but I kind of like this one. I kind of like this one. Let's put out into the deep waters with Jesus. That's The starting place. Let's be in the deep waters with Jesus. And deep waters might be wonderful and filling, but it also might be scary and chaotic. Both of those things are true of the deep waters. Simon answered him, Master, and is he his master yet? Uh, this, is the, this is also could just be translated, sir. It could just be a, a, a term of respect that he says. He could just be saying, sir, uh, we've worked all night long but have caught nothing. Uh, back then, at night, you went fishing in the deep waters. That was the best fishing at night, was in the deep. If you were going to fish during the day, which was going to be probably pretty unproductive... You would fish in the shallows. You wouldn't go into the deep during the day. There was not much chance of getting anything there. Um, But you fished in the shallows during the day. This is the daytime. After a long night of fishing, Jesus says, let's go to the deep waters for a catch. And Simon says, we were there all night and caught nothing. Again, let's just dwell on that for a minute. Jesus invites us, come to the deep waters with me. Come to the deep waters with me. And what do we say? Well, we've already been there. That didn't work. Forget it. Uh, I've been in church my entire life. Yeah, okay. And oh, come to the deep waters, okay. Well, yeah, okay. What's what's the real message here? What's the real message? Come on, Jesus. Like, tell me what I'm supposed to know. Give me the four step plan. Right? We can be cynical. I've already been out there all night, and actually, I caught nothing. So what are you talking about, Jesus? Right? We still do this. We still do this. We get cynical about our faith and about our relationship with God. Jesus invites us, come out to the deep waters with me for a catch. I've already been there. Didn't, Didn't really work. But... Simon, to his credit, does not stop there. Right? He doesn't just say, forget it, no. Like sometimes we do. He also says this. But because it's you, okay, we'll go. Jesus says, come to the deep waters with me. And he says, well... That's not going to work. But if you say so, okay. And so you see what's there is this is now going from just an encounter with Jesus to now a level of trust with Jesus, right? Jesus invites, and then we say, man, we're cynical. But okay. Okay. It's you. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. I'll go with you. I'll let down the nets like you said. And so they do. Um, Simon Peter, at this point in the story as well, he already knows Jesus actually relatively well. So it's not, sometimes I always pictured this story as Jesus walking along the shore and this is like the first moment with Simon Peter. But in Luke's telling of the story, uh, Jesus has already stayed at Simon's house the chapter before. And he's already healed Simon's mother-in-law of the fever. We talked about that a little bit last week. So he's already stayed there. He's already healed Simon's mother-in-law. And now uh, Simon Peter's kind of seen probably other things that Jesus has done, other miracles, other healings, and heard his teaching, obviously because he was sitting there with him in the boat as he did it. And now, so his trust is being built over time. So it is not this instantaneous thing necessarily, right? It's being built, there's still maybe some hesitation as well, right? So he's building in his trust. The very next sentence we read, when they had done this, so when they had gone out deep waters, put the nets down, they've done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to burst. Overwhelming abundance. So many fish like they'd never seen before. An incredible miracle that God does. The power of Jesus is at work And actually, that's a problem. The nets are going to break. And what happens if the nets break? Okay, it's a lot of fish, so they're probably okay for a while, but they're going to have a lot of work to do to fix those nets. And who knows when they're going to get out to fish again, and will the fish all rot? Like, do we have too much? Jesus is... Okay, that's great, overwhelming abundance, but you're kind of breaking our system here, Jesus. That actually kind of reminds me of the institutional church quite a bit. The Holy Spirit is up to something and does something incredible, and the church sometimes goes, well, you know, if we could just uh, create a committee and uh, you know, manage this better. problem. The system is overloaded. Jesus shows up and it's too much of a good thing. It's overloaded. And now, to be fair to the, to the fishermen, they signal to their partners in the other boat, come and help us, right? We don't want our nets to break. They were to the point of breaking, but they didn't break. Uh, they came, they filled both boats and the boats began to sink. If you thought broken nets were a problem, if they lose their boats, that's a really big problem. Like, get back to shore. So they got back to shore. They made it, but only just. It's still too much even for a second boat. And this is the point where Simon Peter, it says that he saw it. So he takes it all in. And then he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Now, is is this an act of worship? Bending down on his knees, falling down, and then a theological statement, right? Is he recognizing, oh my goodness, this is God with us? And so, and I'm just a sinner. I am down here, and this is God up here. Is that what's going on, or is it something else? Perhaps. It could actually be what I just described. Uh, many biblical commentators will say that that's exactly what's going on with Simon Peter. He's recognizing beginning to recognize who Jesus is, maybe not fully, but he's starting to get it. Or they might say uh, Jesus has already been recognized as a teacher and a healer and an exorcist, but um, this miracle takes him into kind of a new category of sort of the category of Elijah maybe as like one of the prophets that did these these signs and wonders that were beyond... um, Healings. There were other people who could do healings, maybe not as much as Jesus, but we haven't seen things like this since Elijah and maybe Moses, you know, the parting of the Red Sea, like those kinds of things, control over uh, over the natural world. Maybe he's that level of prophet. So he might just be going up a level, maybe. But there could also be another way of reading this, might be to recognize that Jesus is now on Simon Peter's turf, okay? He's fishing. Jesus is healed, he's taught, he's cast out evil spirits. And maybe Peter sees all of that and thinks, well, that's that's all good. It's actually kind of a spectacle. It's amazing. Uh, But it's also in the religious and maybe the medical realm. And back then, there was a real blending overlap of the two, right? Right? And so maybe Simon saw all of those things and thought, well, that, that's great over there. But now Jesus is fishing, of all things. That's Simon Peter's thing. And so maybe Simon, for the very first time, instead of just being in awe a little bit of this man who has shown up, maybe for the first time he actually compares himself to Jesus and his response is, get away from me, I'm a sinner. Or maybe another way of thinking about it, I was up all night and caught nothing. Jesus comes along and fills two boats. Well, I feel awful. Have you ever been there? Not, not with Jesus, but with someone else, right? In your perception they're more successful or more beautiful or more rich or have a better job or have some, somehow a better life and maybe you're scrolling past them on your phone and you see their likes and you see their followers and envy and jealousy. This is actually a really significant mental health issue in our world today, is you know, the, the power of social media over especially young people and having trouble with things like body image and comparison, it's not just sort of a little bit of envy. It can actually be a big problem. Is that what's going on with Simon Peter? I don't think it is quite that, actually, so I'll just say that. I don't think it is quite that. Um, but there might be a hint of it here that, that maybe Simon is, is, is thinking, "I'm not even close to, like, I'm not even close to this. I'm not even close to this. I think the big difference between what is going on for Simon Peter and maybe us, if we're comparing ourselves to someone we admire, the big difference is Jesus is right there. Jesus and him are interacting with one another. It's not just an admiration from afar. So maybe Simon is just really honest. The catch of fish is overwhelming, and he's actually overwhelmed by Jesus. Jesus is overwhelming. And so his response is, is more like, I am not worthy to even be in your presence. And that might be about he's recognizing him as God or as a prophet, but it might also be I'm just recognizing, wow, I'm a, I, I'm a lousy fisherman. <laughs> like, this guy's amazing there's no way i could do anything like this and actually as a follower of jesus as he becomes the primary follower of jesus actually i wonder if that stuck with him a little bit into the rest of his life thinking i'm seeing what how am i supposed to do the kinds of things that jesus did or the kinds of things that jesus is even asking me to do how how am i supposed to do that so these feelings of inadequacy maybe he's got that i'm not worthy but he's actually there with him. And Simon is admitting it. So this is more like the reality of having the person you look up most to in the world. That one you really admire and even envy. And you think, oh wow, like they've really got it together. That, that is the perfect life right there. It would be like having that person actually present in your life. And, and think about what Jesus already did with Simon. It would be like that person who you really think is amazing, and you think, I can't believe you came to my house. You spent time with me. You cared about my family. You sat in my boat with me. You asked to use my boat. You did all this, and I'm just me. I'm just me. I'm not worthy of you being here with me. That's what Peter's saying. Regardless of what his motivations are for saying it, when he says, go away from me, I'm a sinner, I don't think he's trying to make a theological statement about sin or anything like that. I think he's just trying to say, well, I'm not worthy of you being in my life even, and here, and here you are. Oh my goodness. And, and here's the big, big difference with a lot of our human interactions, right? Right? Like, if we said that to, like, think of a celebrity that you love, if we said, well, I'm not worthy to be in your presence, like, in their head, they're probably thinking, yeah, you're really not. You know? (laughs) Um, and, uh, And, oh, do you want my autograph? Like, let's end this exchange as quickly as possible, most likely. Right? Jesus' response to Simon is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to be with me. Like, isn't that a great response? is that a great response? It's so good. Because he actually calls it all for what it is as well. Oh, is it envy? Is it this? Is it that? Fear. You're afraid, Peter. You're afraid, Simon. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be with me. It's okay. It's okay. From now on, you'll be catching people. Is this maybe Jesus' way of saying, look, we're in this together now? I, I always read this as, you know how you catch fish, from now on you'll be catching people. It's actually not a great object lesson. I don't think, I don't know if you sense that with the children's story. It's like, well, really? Is that, how, is that the connection we're making? I wonder if instead he's saying, you're, like, you're with me now, Right? He's not trying to do an object lesson. He's just trying to say, I'm catching people, and from now on, you're going to be doing that too with me. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be with me. Go in the deep waters with me. We're in this together now. And actually, that just idea of being in this together with Jesus, that's actually something Simon Peter probably could really relate to. Because commercial fishing in that time, especially and even now, is a team sport It was a no-brainer. Our net's breaking. Call the partners. Get them out here. Okay, the ship, the boats, how do we work together? Because the ships are sinking. Like, it's all about working together. And this is actually a huge lesson for the church, too, because a lot of times, if we've made this about evangelism, we've made that a solo activity and said, well, you have to go out into your life now individually and figure out how you're going to share your faith and catch people and do all. And actually, if you look at the scriptures, it's barely ever a solo activity almost always together. Let's figure this out together. How do we do this? You'll be catching people with me. And the implication that Jesus is saying here is he's saying the same way that I just caught you. The same way that I just caught you, you're also going to catch people. Now, caught, that word, is still kind of our problem. Still, kind of our problem because it kind of feels like trap. So, a little more on that word to close uh, before we uh, continue with our uh, the rest of our service. A little more on that word, caught. Um, Let's just think what what actually happens to Simon Peter and us in our encounter with Jesus. When we are encountered with Jesus, we're caught somehow. We're caught somehow. Uh, that word is used uh, in this place, and it shows up in another place in the New Testament. But it's not a super frequent word in the New Testament. Um, the one place that I thought was really interesting is in 2 Timothy. And it's, it's a great part of, of that letter uh, toward the end of chapter 2, where... Well, I'll just read it to you because it says, it says this. It's just great. Have nothing to do with stupid and senseless controversies. <laughs> this is good advice. <laughs> uh, you know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant, uh, meaning the reader, us, the Lord's servant, must not be quarrelsome, but kindly to everyone, an apt teacher, patient, correcting opponents, so there can be opponents, Correcting opponents with gentleness. Do we see a lot of that going on? Okay, that's just the setup. And it says, God may perhaps grant that they will repent, the opponents, and come to know the truth, and that they may escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. That's the same word as this caught, is being caught is, is the same as being held captive by the devil to do the real opponent's will. Isn't that interesting? So there's kind of, you can be caught by Jesus or caught by Jesus' opponent to do the opponent's will. So if being caught by the opponent means that you're doing his will, being caught by Jesus means to be doing his will. And those are your choices. Those are your choices. So that's one way of thinking about it. Here's another way, and this is the way that I love. This is the way that I love. The usage of this Greek word, there are three ways of using this particular word that are listed if, if you look in like a Greek-English uh, concordance. The first one is capture alive, <laughs> okay? To be caught, right? We caught the fish alive. Um, the other one is capture for life. That would be similar to the way Timothy's usage is, right? Like you've been, you've been captured for life. Um, the third one, enthrall. Wow, where did that come from? Enthrall. Well, we have this in English too. I was held captive by her beauty. Right? I was captivated by the play that I saw. Right? Held captive. I love that usage. I love that usage. From now on, Jesus says, you will be catching people with me as I have been capturing you. Catching people, captivating people, as you have been captivated even to the point of saying, I can't believe you're here with me. I'm not worthy. This is incredible. As you have been captivated by me, so you will help others in being captivated as well. Enthralled by Jesus. Isn't that a great way of thinking about this? This is the call. This is the call that we all have. And when they brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed them. Amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope there was something in that message that you needed to hear. Uh, you can find more of my uh, sermons and writing and podcast episodes by going to mattbrough.com or to the website for this podcast, spiritualityforordinarypeople.com. Feel free to uh, follow me on Instagram. Look up our church as well, prairiechurch.ca, and uh, check out our YouTube page. There's Most of my sermons are on that page as well. So lots of places where you can connect. Uh, but also, if uh, you have questions or you're looking for uh, one of my books and are having trouble finding it, you can always reach out to me either on Instagram or Facebook or by email. Uh, you can email me anytime at matt at com. And while you're at it and you're going around on the internet somewhere, why not leave a review for this podcast? I haven't asked for that in a long time. Uh, But wherever you listen, particularly if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, leave a rating and a review. Um, You know, five stars is fine. (laughs) We really appreciate that. It also, you know, when you do that, it actually helps the podcast be seen by others. And another great way for you to help with that is to simply share it with, uh, with someone who you think might benefit from hearing some of the things that I'm talking about on here. Anyway, thanks for listening today. Take care.